eliminate lifelong fears, live outside of time, rediscover true joy. Who are you and why are you here? Walk in balance. Join us in giving a warm welcome to the Wawan Institute's Wisdom Keepers. Kidanoda way, Misa Shigwa. Listen to me. Now is the time. Happy New Year! It is the first day of 2019. I'm Kelly Talking Hair and Pavlovic. Jim Great Elk Waters here, 010119. We hope you're having a fabulous day. We hope you're not suffering any from any celebrations of last night. <laughs> <laughs> Or you have remedies to help you with that suffering. We'd like to talk today about New Year's traditions. Last week we talked quite a bit about Christmas traditions. There's some New Year's traditions too that、uh, many of us have. We'll talk a little bit about those and then. We're going to talk about that pesky thing called resolutions. Do you、hmm. do it? Don't you do it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Does it work? Does it just make you feel bad? How does that work for you? But first of all, let's talk about those traditions. Because I grew up in an Eastern European household, there was really not a whole lot that went on New Year's Eve. We were pretty much homebodies. There, there, were, there weren't that many years I can remember that my family went out for New Year's Eve. It was mostly a, a, an at home family time. And there was champagne, and there was some, we call them snicker snacks, some you know, hors d'oeuvres, appetizer kind of foods, things like that.、Um, but on New Year's Day, my grandmother, it was traditional. To make pork loin, a roasted pork loin with potato dumplings and either cabbage or sauerkraut. And you could not have good luck for the coming year unless you had the pork and dumplings and some form of cabbage. Oh my goodness. You know, in, in my, my early life, it's like cat scans of history, slices of history, and things changed so dramatically. From my childhood to my early youth and to my、uh, early adulthood,、uh, a couple of things that would always happen would be when we were really young, we celebrated New Year's Eve around the house, and at, new, at midnight, we would uh, uh, sing Old Acquaintance. Old Lang Syne.、Uh, yeah. Yes, and then the dad would go out and shoot the shotgun off, <laughs> like everyone else in the town. You know, the. Every, every bear and rabbit and deer for about 40 miles hid up in the hills into the woods. And it, it, was, it was a cacophony for a few minutes. Everybody was yelling,、uh, Happy New Year. And then everything settled down. And we sang a few songs. We had、uh, late night、um, hot chocolate.、Mm-hmm. And then、uh, we all tucked ourselves into bed for New Year's Day. New Year's Day, we would listen to the, the parade. From、uh, New York on NBC radio、uh, in front of the Crosley radio, and would hear what all the people were doing in New York City for the New Year's Day parade. And that's pretty much what I remembered of that. But as time moved forward, we moved out of the country 
you know, I got older and uh, we moved into Fairborn, the middle part of Ohio, and we lived in a, a, a one of those ticky tacky uh, uh, little box houses. It was such a magnificent place to us on June Drive, 620 June Drive. And a lot of memories were there where we would go as, as high school students. We would go to the high school New Year's Eve dance. Oh. And it was it was really a big time. And about that time, I was, uh, I was a musician. And so I was putting bands together. And during that time, I was playing uh, New Year's gigs. I played at the Biltmore in Dayton. And in fact, this is a really good one. It, one of the New Year's Eve events we were playing at and it wasn't the Biltmore, was a horribly, horribly snowy, icy, one of those just worst kind of days ever. And I got there, and I was playing trombone, and I was singing, and, and string bass, and my drummer showed up. And we had nobody else that was there. But, you know, in, in theater and in music, the show must go on. So it came 8 o'clock, we had the stragglers, a few people dressed in their tuxedos and gowns, and I was playing solo on my trombone, and the drummer is backing me up <laughs> on that. We're playing, you know, just the dance songs, things like that. Eventually, the side men all showed up. We had a grand time playing that out. And came time, I w went to talk to the uh, manager of, of the Biltmore and said, you know, you didn't get the full, uh, full value, so whatever you give us, we'd be happy with. He doubled what happened. Oh my and God. And it was one of the most glorious evenings. The people kept coming up and wow. saying, how do you make such good music with just two of you and wow. three of you and four of you? And by the time they were all drunk, we were making really great music. <laughs> Remember Dick Clark's rockin' New Year's Eve? Oh my gosh, that was crazy, yeah. When Dick Clark was still alive? Yeah. Yeah, again, child of the 70s. So, you know, a lot of the stuff was around television shows. And I just remember that. We don't, you know, now we kind of just turn on the television and watch like at 5 to 12 and watch the ball drop. But that, you know, that's a big tradition too, is that the, sure. the ball dropping sure. uh, on New Year's Eve in, in Times Square and the Dick Clark special, which I think actually might still be on in name only. Yes. You know, we had strange things that you remember uh, from when you were a kid, a couple just eclectic things. We had a tradition in our household, and I'm not entirely sure what the origin of it was, but you did not dare have clothes hanging on the line because we didn't have a, we didn't even have a, a an electric uh, washer, dryer, or anything. We had a ringer washer, and everything had to be hung on the clothesline to dry in the basement. You did not dare have any clothes that were hanging or in the midst of being washed or whatever that were not completely laundered on New Year's Eve because it was it was bad luck somehow. Wow. It was bad luck, wow. and boy, that got that really got into me as a New Year's Eve superstition to the point that at 50 some years old I still run around like you, you don't have anything in the in the dryer do you you don't have anything in the washer do you there's nothing hanging around is there because with all that stuff's got to be done <laughs> it's just a superstition you know one of the things I remember very distinctly was my first Christmas and New Year's away from home I volunteered. I went into the Navy during the Vietnam era, early in the Vietnam era, 1961. And 19th, Christmas in 1961 was spent at Great Lakes Naval Training Center where I was in boot camp. 
and I had gotten sick and they had sent me to sick bay and I had to have surgery and so I was delayed and my uh, duty station would be announced in January be, being sent to Long Beach another story of another time one of the nurses there became friends of mine and she invited me to her home in Chicago for that uh, New Year's time Christmas and New Year's and uh, New Year's Eve we went to a dance and uh, party down uh, off the uh, the loop downtown uh, Chicago and had a wonderful time there. And Chicago is a great place to celebrate New Year's because they have their own traditions there. And it was just raucous, riotous uh, place downtown. And the next day my, my, my train went back to Ohio. So on that afternoon of New Year's Day, I got on the train and went back to Ohio. That was a blessed memory. Play forward decades. I was uh, working in film and television and had the opportunity to meet a really great guy, Iron Ice Cody. And he invited me to ride in the Rose Parade down Colorado Avenue for a couple of times. I remember my first time on that. I was a big man then. I was well, well past 350 and, and weight. <clears throat> six foot three and I was just a big guy and so they got a big horse for me. <laughs> it was a mare that they used. Well that used. seems appropriate. Yes very appropriate. They uh, got a mare that was a pack horse up in the Sierras <laughs> and she had been working on uh, roughshod all summer and all fall so they put new boron shoes on her. She was the biggest horse I ever saw in my life outside of a Clydesdale. I had to get up on the back of a pickup to get on it. Oh my goodness. And one of the rules is once you mounted early in the morning, you were not allowed to come off the horse until you finished the parade the five miles down there. How long That's is hours, that? hours. I mean, lots of hours. That seems before so dark. practically the, inconvenient. <laughs> uh, yes, that was totally practically inconvenient. And so I, I'm up there and I'm riding. I remember when I made the first turn on the uh, down Colorado Boulevard and they had these huge white strips of uh, street markings, crosswalks, and the horse started slipping on the uh, on this paint. Oh and my gosh. She was having a heck of a time getting her feet under. I leaned over like my dad had taught me and just held her around the neck and hugged on her until we got past that. She moved all the way down the parade and at the end of the parade they took us over to the stables the temporary stables they had set up for all the animals. And here again, I used the back of a pickup truck to uh, get off. And I uh, walked up to the horse and I pulled her muzzle down to me and I said, thank you, sweetheart. I promise you, I will never do that to you again, ever. <laughs> it took me a week for me to get my legs back together after riding that wide-body L1011 horse. It was an amazing time. Those are memories of New Year's. Boy, I, I, you know, that's a really strong one. My Aunt Marlene loved to watch the holiday parades. There was the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade with all the floats and the balloons and then the Rose Parade on New Year's Day. No one had any business near the TV dial on those two days because that was my Aunt Marlene's time to watch, especially the Rose Parade. Gosh, she loved it every year. It was unbelievably exciting to be a participant in it, and it was a, such a huge honor. And I, I will forever be thankful to Iron Eyes Cody and my, my business manager, Rusty Soul, Ken Kingsbury. Great memories. 
But you know, we we also need to talk about the resolutions, the the dreaded resolutions that we make every year. Oh my Do you gosh. make resolutions? I don't. I'm not a big resolution person because I I strongly believe that there's nothing. There's just not really anything special about New Year's Day. You're either going to set a goal or you're not. You're either going to make sure it happens or you're not. And going along with the crowd and making these. Because what what ends up happening is these New Year's resolutions become a real thorn in people's sides often because they have all the gung-hoedness of they're going to get it's a new year and a new start and a new this and a new that. And they, they make these plans and then they can't, they're so lofty. Oftentimes they can't be reached. And when you do that year after year after year, you become at best uh, cranky, at worst thoroughly disillusioned because you feel like a loser. You know, Kelly, that's specifically there. So many of my friends I've asked about this, asked this question about, I say, how do you feel after six months or the end of the year? And, and unanimously they say, I feel like a loser. Why set yourself up for I defeat? I don't know. That's terrible. But what are you are you going to do anything different this year than you've done last year? I'm sure I'll do lots of things that are different. I, I just um I don't believe in setting goals just because everybody else does it. I think goals need to be set when you're ready, when you're in the right frame of mind and you know you can achieve them. I don't easily succumb to the mass pressure of you gotta do what everybody else is doing. Now last year everybody in the household had taken a real beating in some way or another from this whole cross country move. And all three of us had packed on quite a bit of weight. All three of us were terribly uncomfortable. We weren't ourselves. We we weren't able to move around. We just our clothes weren't fitting and it was just plain miserable. So we decided as a family that we were going to get serious. And in January we all decided together as a team that we were going to change things so that we felt better by the time the spring happened. And we did. We did really, really good. We lost probably, I don't know, 75 or 80 pounds between the three of us in a couple of months worth. I mean, we really got serious. It wasn't too much fun on the weekends because we couldn't... We couldn't go out to eat very much because we had to be really careful, but doggone it, we got ourselves straightened around. But that didn't happen. That was a long story. But that didn't happen because somebody set a, quote, New Year's resolution. It happened because we all decided, you know, pretty much simultaneously that we're uncomfortable, we're miserable, and we're going to do something about it, and that's it. And we also had an end date. So we knew that whatever happened, wherever we landed by March 1st, that was it. So we knew it wasn't going to go on forever. You know, Kelly, this is an important time for us to talk about this. At the Wawan uh, Society, we teach you how to uh, walk on the four stepping stones of life, the four bound stepping stones. And the ultimate uh, stepping stone is that of vision. Right. And we teach you how to make these resolutions we teach you how to make them come true everyone has a bucket list we teach you how to identify your bucket list items that are that you really want to make come true and we show you a way to make them come true so your vision will be uh, fulfilled and so uh, as a new year's uh, opportunity for you if you have resolutions you really want to work with us on, give us a call, give us a, a drop us a note, and we'll be happy to work with you on that. I believe it's in human nature 
that we aspire to something better. We aspire to something different, to something new, to just to make ourselves better. And I think we're constantly aspiring to that. It's just that the pressure that we tend to put on ourselves at the new year because we think there's something special about this time of year, I think would probably be best if we looked at it a different way. Everyone has the vision. As Jim said, everybody has the bucket list. Whether January is the right time for you personally or not to embark on a new journey or a a new goal that you plan to reach is something that only you can say. Maybe, you know, one of the things that was always difficult for me with the whole weight loss thing, because I've struggled with this weight loss thing my entire my entire life, from elementary school to, to now. And it's hard in January because in a lot of parts of the country, it's bitterly cold. In Ohio and Cleveland, where I grew up, it was always very cold in January and February. It was dark. Uh, it was, you know, hard getting, you had to pull on all the, the sweaters and the clothes and the jackets and the boots and the socks and the long underwear and, you know, whatever, depending on how harsh of a winter it was. And don't and, fall over because you can't yes, get back up. And to go through all of that while you don't have enough nutrition in your body because you're trying to take off weight and it's hard to get exercise because you can't go out anywhere. It's not necessarily the best or the right time to do that. This I, is true. I don't think. I, I have, um, I'm always optimistic. You're feeling good about uh, 19? I, I do. I, I'm always optimistic for the coming of the year. I am always very grateful that I have no idea what's coming down the pike. <laughs> this reminds me of, of a story my dad used to tell about the, the kid that was just always bad right up through to Christmas time. And, and his parents finally decided, you know, we're not going to give him Christmas. We're going to give him a teaching lesson. And so for Christmas... The the kid was always optimistic, but the kid was just a rotten kid. I mean, he just was doing everything wrong. And so his dad had the, the, the local stable deliver a whole big pile of horse manure out front of the house. And the dad and mom said, your presence out front. And he went out to look out to the front, and the kid looked one took one look at the pile of horse manure and dived right into it. And his dad and mom said, are you crazy? Get out of there. Get out. The kid says, no, there's got to be a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a crude joke, but it is a good, a good story that even in the worst things that are happening around us, Kelly, uh, there's a pony in there somewhere. And be optimistic about it. I think that 2019 is going to be extraordinarily good for our country and for our, our economy. Everything is looking up and everything is is going in the right direction. And it, it looks like we're finally starting to come back together. I pray that we can come back together this oh, I year. I do too. I it's do about too. time. It's been some scary times, no doubt. It's always important to, to keep that positive attitude, to keep looking, always looking towards the best. I um. I'm a very black and white person, so when I'm upset, I'm really upset, and when I'm happy, I'm really happy, and when I, I just, I always think I can make it better. I can make it better. It's going to be better. This can't last forever, and optimism is a really good trait 
to have at the beginning of the year because if you're thinking that this is a new year this is a new beginning a lot of us go into this being very optimistic we're going to make some personal changes uh, we're going to be we're going to be better we're and that's that's never a bad thing you just have to keep it realistic you know and that's how we should recap the whole the whole thought about this uh, time frame make your goals that you want to do the resolutions you're going to do make them realistic make them so you can actually achieve them write them down and once you've achieved them mark them off the list and you show that you've achieved it that's that's the benefit of growing don't put impossible chores in front of you that you can't can't achieve and and once you've reached that destination of failure you feel totally de dejected I'd like to offer one suggestion for those of you who do who are fans of making lofty goals consider breaking those lofty goals down into smaller ones that are easier to achieve because when you set a goal of I'm going to build a deck period you have no you have no hope of really knowing where to start unless you actually document that so if you're going to get healthy by whatever set the date that you're going to do it and figure out what those steps are you're going to eliminate such and such from your diet you're going to add such and such to your diet you're going to change your activity level and be specific about it and break those goals down uh, if it's a financial goal break the, that goal down into the different steps that will need to happen in order for you to reach that goal I'm a huge fan of list making. I have gotten in the habit of making a to-do list every single week. And what doesn't get done from the last week, I roll over to the next week. And that keeps me kind of honest because I don't want to have a whole lot of things rolling over because then I'm going to have a list that's 50 items long. <laughs> and then it's not doable. And that's not what I want because that's not going to make me feel good. So when you break down those large goals into steps in order that you know you will be able to meet, put a deadline on them for yourself so they don't keep hanging out there and just rolling over from one week to the next and check those things off, whether you keep it on a, a digital device like an iPhone or an iPad or a laptop or what have you, or whether you do it the old fashioned way and literally hand write the thing and stick it with a magnet onto the refrigerator front, somewhere where you know you can refer to it easily, quickly, and frequently so that when you, as soon as you finish that one task, click that sucker off the list because it's going to make you feel really good that you are one step closer to that ultimate goal. Let me make it simple. Create your plan, as Kelly has indicated. Work out the plan details and then follow that plan. It's just that simple. It is that simple. It really is that simple. Make the plan, follow the plan. Don't keep second guessing yourself. You can do it. Don't keep going back and changing things. You can absolutely meet all of those goals that you want. Make sure you break it down into small pieces, set goal dates. You know how it works. Now let's make it happen. And to you and yours from ours, uh, our home and our place, we hope that the road rises up and meets your feet and the sun's always in your face and the wind's at your back. And that you have a great, wonderful new year. That you be blessed beyond every compassion that you ever thought you would be. 
We wish you the blessed, happy new year. Happy New Year to all of you. Don't forget to meet us back here next week on Tuesday for the next week's podcast. And uh, check out our website every Wednesday for a new blog article. And it's the beginning of the year, and we have our own plans and our own exciting news to share with you. So look forward to hearing some exciting news from us further on into the new year. I'm Kelly Talking Heron Pavlovic. And Jim Great Oak Waters. Walk in balance. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This has been a production of the Wewan, copyright 2018. For more information on the Society and Institute, visit pawaka.com, P-O-W-A-K-A.com, and wewan.org, W-E-W-A-N.org.